Hello there, my name's Sean and welcome to episode 23 of The Game Pit, Reckoning the Spoils. Ronan? Hey Sean, so we do a treasure hunt episode twice a year, once around now in the springtime and we're going to be having our 2014 edition coming out soon and our other one is around the Essen time, we look at releases that are going to be around Essen. What we really want to do is, rather than just spew out our uninformed views before these games come out, we also want to go back to them 12 months later, have a chat about those games, and see whether our predictions of whether they were treasures or traps have come true. So yes, absolutely, as Ronan said, we're going to go through each of the games we talked about the first time round, and see how they've fared in the test of time. You can catch all our episodes, along with other audio, video, and written gaming goodness at 2d6.org, and we are members of the Dice Tower Network, along with the very best in board gaming podcasts. Head to DiceTowerNetwork.com to find all of the great content there. So first up last time, we talked about a game that Ronan had actually played and I was quite excited about, and that's Batman Gotham City. This is a game where the players took on the roles of the villains. So you could be the Penguin, the Joker, Two-Face and Killer Croc. And Batman was actually your enemy. And you were trying to take over areas using your cards and using abilities that each of the villains had. Now, I was really excited at the time about this because uh, it's Batman. It was WizKids. WizKids, although the component quality wasn't always the best, they do tend to make games that I really enjoy. So I ended up buying the game and... Unfortunately, I've actually gone and traded the game. I don't think it's a horrendous game, but it's not the game I was hoping for. And Ronan, I know you'd already played it and you played it a few more times since. What's your sort of enduring image of the game? My enduring image of it, Sean, was that it was just too long for the depth in it. The progress you had to go through in order to go through all the levels to level up your villain, it was just a long, slow process. If you had fewer players... It wasn't so interesting because there wasn't enough going on on the board, but with more players, you had four players playing, it made it, I guess, more interesting, but far too long for what was there. It was by no means a bad game. If the idea interests you or the thought of it interests you, go for it and give it a go. I'm glad I played it, but it wasn't one I was ever going to buy, I'm afraid. Yeah, I just found it was a little bit just tit for tat. No one would ever do anything out of the box in terms of, oh, wow, you've you've really tricked me there. You've done it was it was fairly linear in terms of you you knew everyone had to follow the same path. And it was like, I level up, you level up, I level up, you level up. And it it just followed that that same path. And it, it just didn't do enough for me i didn't feel i had enough choices in the game i voted it a treasure and ronan voted it a trap i'm gonna say it's, it's not a bad game as ronan said it's definitely not a bad game but i think for me it turned out to be a little bit of a trap ronan yeah i went trap last time after one play it's not a terrible trap it might just be a little finger caught in the door but it still remains a trap for me okay well there you go a double trap for batman gotham city next up was another batman game batman arkham city escape based on the computer games arkham city and arkham asylum now i've never ever seen anybody play this game anywhere so i've never been able to actually have a game of it i've seen it in the shop and it's actually quite a big box for for what i thought it was going to be i think what put me off actually buying this game or seeking it out to play was that they borrowed the artwork straight off the computer game so it just felt like they didn't put the love into this game that maybe it could have done with it's still an interesting premise for me where one player's batman and one player's the villains trying to escape from arkham itself and batman's trying to keep them there and keep as few as possible from escaping and he uses his utility belt and that's how you play the batman powers and it still interests me slightly i would play it if i saw it being played and somebody asked me to but nowhere near enough to actually want to go out and buy it i think the things that go against it are it doesn't look that great it's in a mahoosive box it was really expensive when it came out although you can get it cheaper nowadays the rule book was not great at all. I've only read the rule book. I haven't played the game, but I didn't want to from the rule book. 
And it doesn't appear to be particularly balanced with it being a bit tough for Batman from the comments I've heard from people. Again, I've never actually seen it played. I have met some of these mythical people that have played it. Just, I, I avoided it completely. It just wasn't doing it for me. And this was a double trap for us last time, Sean. Any reason to change your mind? No, I think I'm going to stick with trap because I haven't been bothered to go out and even try to play this game. So it's obviously something that really doesn't interest me enough. So definitely sticking with trap on this one. Yeah, and same here. It's, I'm not something I'm interested really in playing, despite the great theme, trap. The third game we covered last time was Firefly, and we were both very excited about this due to the theme and due to the fact that it was by the designers of Spartacus. I was hugely excited. It's one of the games I had most hoped for. Now, we saw the game in Essen. We'd heard reports of it beforehand, and subsequent to that, we've got games of it in. Well, it is definitely a mixed bag for me. The theme is still amazing. No matter what's going on, just to be able to have a card that's wash or to be able to pick up Vera in the market, great. It makes the game so much more fun, really, than it has any right to be. It is just a basic pick-up-and-deliver game. It's got some issues with the pacing of it in that it takes a while to build yourself up. And actually, the difficulty is kind of funny because things are either extremely difficult or really easy. And if you spend your time being a bit boring and just meandering around and picking up lots of crew and lots of equipment and what have you, you're going to make the game very easy and then you're going to rush through the missions you have to do in order to complete it. So it's got flaws. If it was a different theme, I'm really not sure I'd be that interested in it. But I have had fun playing it. Sean, any thoughts on Firefly? Just that when we were in Essen and they did have that one sort of impressive looking table with Firefly on display and we were waiting to actually get a go of it because we were, as, as you said, we we're both complete fanboys of the Firefly series. The Just the ter- learning game, the teaching game, was taking hours and hours of this mundane dross. Now, I believe that the actual full game, there's missions that are a lot better to play, but that really put me off the game. And I never really explored it at all. I just didn't want to play after I saw that because I just assumed that was the whole game. And it just seemed a bit boring. Yeah, Gale Force 9 made a massive misstep in this game. The suggested scenario they gave you to learn the game... It taught you everything in the game, but the bad news is it taught you everything in the game. And the three different missions you have to go through have got completely unlinked objectives. So you have to get a certain amount of money, then you have to get a certain amount of this and a certain amount of that. The reason I can't remember exactly is because I never played that opening scenario. I saw it played, people tried to play it with me, and I had enough feedback from other people to say, no, let's play a different scenario because we will be there for hours. As it was, for a four-player game, it's going to take you around three hours anyway to play on one of the shorter scenarios when you're first playing or first learning and going through it. Maybe you can get that down to two hours. I can't see it getting much quicker than that. They did change their mind, listen to the feedback, reprint on their website a different starting scenario which played much quicker, but I think the damage was done in a crowded game market with that sort of a messed up launch where that first step into the game is so long and so tedious i think they've really hamstrung themselves on this there is a decent game in there sean it was a treasure last time what is it for you now uh last time yeah it was indeed a treasure i was very much basing that on my love for the tv series the game didn't stand up to that for me so it's now a trap and for me If it was any theme other than Firefly, I think it would be a trap. But do you know what? The theme is enough for me to sit there and have some fun. I didn't fall in love with it like I hoped to. It's not something I want to play all the time. But if someone got it out and said, let's sit down, relax, have a chat, maybe stick on, I don't know, some sports on the TV in the background and play a game of Firefly, it doesn't require too much thought, I'd actually be up for it. And I am going to stick to my treasure. So next up was the first of two Stefan Feld games that we looked at, and it's Bruges. Now this is a game where you are building up a sort of tableau of buildings and characters to score points, influence various aspects of the game. It's a very easy game to learn. It's a very quick game. It's something we both actually managed to pick up in Essen. 
I really, really enjoy this game. I think it's a really fun game. It, as I said, it, it, it took no time to learn. It plays well two players, which is always a consideration I need to take. So, yeah, I definitely i am glad I picked this up in, in Essen, Ronan. Uh, yeah, I did pick it up in Essen. I played it a good few times straight afterwards with different groups. The great news is, is it's quick and it's easy to teach. It all makes sense. When you start pointing it out to people, you go, this does that. Oh, yeah, I can see that. It's well made. Okay, I guess it looks nice. I'm not as big a fan of the looks as I think Sean is and lots of other people. People walk past it and go, wow, that's a nice looking game. And I kind of go, hmm, yeah, it's kind of a bit orange or brown for me. But yeah, cool, if you think so. I liked it. And now I'm trading it. Because I just don't think it does anything particularly special. My biggest problem with it is it, it's entirely tactical. You draw a new hand of cards at the beginning of each turn and you see what you can do with that hand of cards. Now, you can get some characters into play that give you some reoccurring powers, but... It's kind of few and far between. And even then, you're just looking for the opportunities that the game presents you and then leaping on them as quick as possible. Solid, but um, I never really... I had it on my shelf for a few months as I played it now, and I never get the urge to play it. I never think, oh, I'm busting for a game of Bruges. Yeah, well, for me, I, I like the way they use the dice in the game. I like the fact that the disasters are going to hit you and you've got to prepare for them. And I do like the, the way the different characters change the game and there's so many of these that you don't always play with this the full deck so there's a variety in the game so for me i'm going to say it's still a very strong treasure and this is one where i think you do get a bag of gold coins so it's a treasure but i think you also get a smack in the face from a hammer so it's also a trap it's right on the fence for me i quite like it it's okay i'm not going to keep it but i wouldn't turn down a game from it you know, it's a bit like lots of other Euro games. So the fifth game we covered last time, we're going to recap now, it was from Plaid Hat Games. It's City of Remnants. This is kind of an area control game in which you are a gang leader in this city of refugees which has been taken over by a bunch of aliens. And you're going to be fighting against the other gang leaders who are the fellow players, avoiding the police, taking control of areas and of buildings and attempting to get yourself lots of points and money. It was universally a treasure for us last time we were excited about it it's another plaid hat release that promised a lot and kind of delivered sometimes but then fell really flat on other occasions we had a player get into an infinite loop at one point near enough where he was just going round and round and round i think we worked out he could have just made money every single turn he could basically use his whole deck of cards every turn to make tons and tons and tons and tons of money and then start turning that into points and which kind of put soured it for me i had another game of it in which it was a three-player game in which no character ever attacked another character in a game of gang warfare now i was like did we do something wrong or something gone a bit funky there and then I went back and read comments and reviews to see what other people were thinking about it. And there was chat there of a game in which the designer never did a single thing on the game board. He just utilized mechanisms using cards outside of it and very nearly won the game without ever actually playing his own game. And that made me think, oh, there's gaps here. It's it's not very tight. It's not very focused. It's, you know, Bad Hat oh, seemed to offer a lot with most of their games and that there's lots of options there's lots of things you can do but sometimes I think they need to be tied down a bit more there's too many things you can do it's too loose you can't really get to the meat of the game because there is the meat there or has it been spread out in a thin layer of pate across the board Sean City of Remnants oh it's another one from from Plaid Hat isn't it Plaid Hat make me feel like a rat following the Pied Piper to my doom I really want to play their games. Their games always entice me. I love the premise of them, but they, there's always something lacking, and I do I do ultimately end up trading them and getting rid of them. And this is no different. City Remnants offered so much, but it 
just, just fell flat again. I don't know where the problem lies, whether, as Rena said, they're trying to cram too much into the games and not really building on the premise or whether they're not the games aren't being playtested enough to find the, these problems like the infinite loop. I'm just not sure, but this is another one of that ilk where I'm just... Oh, God, that could have been such a good game. Yeah, it's it's a narrow miss. Like It did provide some real fun gaming moments and some real promise. And it's the reason why I played it and didn't have that great a time. So I played it again and didn't have that great time and played it again because I can see a really good game there. And that's part of the frustration. I think we said the same thing about Dungeon Roll previously. Really great game there somewhere, but not pulled together and woven tightly enough. And... If I'm going to give two hours to playing a game, I know some people don't mind that some games are good and some games are bad. There has to be a certain ratio of good games to bad games. And these two Plaid Hat games, City of Remnants and, and Dungeon Roll, we're comparing it to, have had the similar thing of some good games, some bad games. The ratio isn't quite good enough for me to want to play them again. Sean, we both gave it a treasure last time. What's your thoughts now? I'm going to say it's another trap for me. It, it very much did the same thing to me as Dungeon Run did, which I started off thinking, oh, what a wonderful game. Can't wait to play it. And while I was playing it initially, what a wonderful game. But it, it developed into a disappointment. So it's a trap for me. Yeah, and I had to get rid of it in the end because I just had too many sour experiences. And unfortunately, and it's a shame, it's a trap for me as well. So next up, we had a look at Heroes of Metro City. Now, this is a game where you take on the role of a superhero and you're basically building up your powers and taking on various supervillains. There's not, no famous superheroes here or supervillains. It's very much you build your own guys up and you decide their powers. It was a game that tickled us because we are big comic book fans and we're always on the lookout for comic book games and especially superhero games but this one isn't widely available at the moment i think there are some copies available for retail from the kickstarter but i haven't really seen it in a lot of places so i haven't really had the chance to play it i think when it initially came out there was a few concerns for me i didn't really like the artwork i had concerns about the gameplay and on building up your powers and it was all a little bit convoluted for me so i'm still in that camp very much there's not a lot of these around i think there's 247 that I've are owned according to Board Game Geek. So yeah, I will give it a go hopefully one day and hopefully it will surprise me, but it will be a surprise. My main issue with it is that it appears from everything I can see and there's more information now than when we went through it last time that it really is a Dominion clone with a couple of little bits of fluff stuck onto it. And I think I mentioned before, if you're going to do a deck builder, don't do a Dominion clone because everyone's seen it done it been there i love dominion you're not going to do it better than dominion it's just not going to happen do something original i think that this is part of the long development you have with some of these games whereby they're developed and then they're advertised and they're kick-started and then a year down the line they're just about creeping out and sometimes the market has shifted a bit and in this case with something that is this derivative of another game the market shifted dominion clones are just not going to do it anymore i've just got no interest sorry Okay, I think we know the answer for this one, but um, I said it was a trap. Ronan said it was a treasure last night. Are you just showing off now? <laughs> I am sticking to my guns, and I hope to be proved wrong, but for now it's a trap. Uh, yeah, I have to uh, I have to change my mind. I was hopeful for it. You know that I do love a uh, superhero theme, but in this case, no, it's gone to trap. Sorry here as a Metro City. You're just not ringing a bell. You're not flying a unique enough flag for me to stand up and take notice. Our next game that we were talking about still hasn't come out. It's a 2014 release, so we're going to see it sometime soon. It's Galactic Strike Force. It is a co-op deck building game, much like Heroes of Metro City. However, this is from the Sentinels of the Multiverse team, Greater Than Games. And it's about taking control of a ship and helping defend the galaxy. This is the one where there are a bunch of aliens attacking your galaxy where you live and kind of the, the navy or, or the the good guys have all been beaten up and now they need the underworld to turn around and help the defense so you're kind of going by on a cardboard box and a shoestring attempting to take down the invading aliens hasn't come out yet still waiting for it to hit retail stores 
a bit more information is around and about but neither of us have got to play it because really very few people have got to play it so far so sean any further thoughts on galactic strike force I knew that when I was doing my research on this, I came across uh, the actual blog for for the game itself, and they've released a few photos, and there's going to be some really cool-looking uh, miniature ships that go with the game and, and what have you. And they've kind of admitted that they possibly didn't do the Kickstarter as well as they could have done. They've said next time they venture into the Kickstarter world, should they do that, they're going to actually make sure that the production of the game is all set in stone because I think they went in there with an idea rather than a solid stone uh, product and I think they've realised the mistake on that but yeah it's still looking very exciting it's scheduled for a May 2014 release so hopefully that sticks it has been slipping due to the Chinese New Year and the production came to a halt in China but yeah it's definitely a game I'm, I'm still looking forward to the artwork looks amazing as I said, those miniature ships look really good, and it's from the guys from Sentinels of the Multiverse, so that's always going to have some interest there. You know that I'm a Sentinels of the Multiverse big fan. I've got faith in the team. I do like deck building, despite what I said. But here's a major city. I just like them to do something slightly different, and I have faith that they are going to do something slightly different with this. So I am still keeping both thumbs up. I have got firm hopes of this being a great game and for me it still maintains a hopeful treasure place oh absolutely i'm very much a treasure on this one so moving on to something we knew quite a lot about in terms of the base game it was an expansion for lords of waterdeep called scoundrels of skullport we both own this we both played it and i was very excited at the time because anything that expanded the wonderful lords of waterdeep game was surely a winner i have to say it's good it brings different elements to the game i think it panders to the people who said that lords of waterdeep was too light and there wasn't enough choices but i was a little tiny bit disappointed because it actually took away the things that i loved about lords of waterdeep that it was so simple and it was just a simple worker placement with a fantasy theme and it's added a few things that are complicated it's really ramped the scoring up and you can get things like runaway leaders because of the scoring if the wrong cards come out so there's a few things that i didn't like about it it does make it more interesting to a degree but a little bit disappointed wow i'm, I'm a bit surprised it is a really good expansion it adds some new ways of playing as i think i may have said previously it changes the game a little away from a very fast tactical work placement game we get done in an hour into a slightly thinkier slightly more strategic game that maybe plays in an hour and a half it's not the direction i want to pick Lords of Waterdeep for if you like it, I want Lords of Waterdeep because it's so quick, it's so straightforward, it's so easy to play and Scoundrels of Skullport I think Sean's exactly right, panders to the people who were saying it's too light, give me more give me something different So, but what I'm loath to do is to have a go at a company for bringing out an expansion that changes the way the game plays because we have often said, don't give us an expansion that's exactly more the same, don't just give us a sixth player, don't just give us more cards I'm not interested in that. I want you to change it up a little bit. They've changed it up. Maybe not exactly to my personal taste, but I think they're successful in what they've done. I enjoy playing with it. I think I'd make a choice between playing with it and without it. Sometimes I prefer the base game. Sometimes, yeah, sure, I'll play with this added in. But in terms of an expansion, it is a success and it does what they've set out to do and it does it very well. So, Sean, you were a treasure last time. What are you this time? I'm I'm still definitely a treasure on this one. It, as, as I said, it, it's just a little bit of a disappointment for me in that it did pander to the people who didn't like Lords of Wardy for what it actually is. But it's still, as you said, it changes the game up. It does make it a bit more interesting sometimes. So, yeah, it's still a treasure. Yeah, for me, not to my exact personal taste, but I still enjoy it a lot. I still think it's well worth buying if you've got the base game. So definitely still a treasure for me.
We're going to go into two games now, which we had different opinions on, and which I think we probably have come to the same conclusion. The first one is Trains and Stations. Now, we were looking forward to this game because it was selling itself as a decent game about not just the building of tracks in terms of developing a railway but also development of stations and how that comes into how you operate a railway and the different factors in there and we're hoping for something quite interesting from Eric Lang who's a well-known designer now we've mentioned it lots of times but we both work on the railways so when you come out with something like this it's going to immediately catch our attention not just track laying but trying to give a bit more dimension to it unfortunately what came out was a really light simple dice game with some wonky scoring and blown up to from what should be a zombie dice 15 minute game into a 45 minute game with a map that really doesn't make a lot of sense wasn't that impressed by the components you might be getting an idea of where my thoughts are going on this one sean trains and stations yeah i think you've said it there um i was shocked at the tiny little board that it came with uh, the components didn't blow me away, and from just watching watching it being played at Essen, and from looking at videos online of people playing it and reviewing it, I just saw so many flaws that I, I was picking apart without even playing the game, and it really put me off. And it just didn't hold my interest. If you're going to play a train game, pick something like Rolling Freight, where there is it all makes sense and it all's done very well. This just didn't really rock my world at all. And it has got a pretty stinking rating on Board Game Geek as well. It's hasn't done well from from a big company and a big name designer. This is a big flop. And oh, I went trap last time. I'm sticking with trap. Sean, I was quite excited about it because of the the company and the designer. And I'm changing it completely around, and it's a definite trap. Okay. And the second game that we had out now. This time I went treasure on this and Sean went trap and it's the new science from Dirk Neymeyer and his company Conquistador Games this is a action point game in which you're attempting to make scientific discoveries and then test them and then publish them and you're going to be a particular scientist which is going to give you your own personal powers and you're attempting to sort of develop the I'm not going to say the birth, but I'm going to use the word develop again, I guess. The development of science along towards sort of the modern scientific era that that kind of we're founding upon. So basically 17th century Europe and the discoveries made therein. A game that when I listened back to our episode five, we gave a bit of a kick in over its looks, Sean. Um, Any thoughts with regards to the new science? Again, yeah, well, it's, it's... The looks aren't going to change, are they? They're still not a very good-looking game. We were probably a bit meaner than we possibly should have been about it, given that we hadn't played it. But I've been doing my research on this again, because, again, it's one of those games you just don't see around a lot. We go to London on board, and and you just never see anybody playing it, or I certainly don't. Ronan goes a little bit more often than me. The designer on Board Game Geek has been in conversations where he's saying, no, you need to house rule some of my rules. So that just says to me that that game wasn't finished. Also, there's dice rolling in a pretty fundamental part of the game. And if you get the wrong dice rolling, no matter how much you plan, you can be your whole turn can be ruined. You get two of those bad dice rolls on the, on the trot and you're out of the game. For a quite involved worker placement game, to have it scuppered on a dice roll just doesn't sit well with me at all. Yeah, those dice basically... <laughs> decide whether you pass or fail in what you're trying to do which maybe doesn't meld that well in with the rest of the mechanisms the this one i think feels a bit like city of remnants to me in that there is a good game here i'm sure there is it does look better in the flesh than it did from what we were previewing last time and there is hope for it there there is some interest on the worker placement there is some player interaction but it just isn't tied together enough it doesn't really all meld you get hinged on those dice rolls sometimes there's little flaws in the game like you say having the house rule stuff that you really shouldn't be having the house rule the happening cards real random stuff happens i'm sorry man you know it's a game that's got promise in there but just not polished enough Sean, you went trap last time. I think you're about to be a bit smug. 
<laughs> I do apologise to everyone involved in the game for the little bit of a kicking we gave it looks-wise. I mean, it's not as bad as I think we probably made it out to be, but it's not a great-looking game. And I am definitely smug, because I said it all along, it is a trap. Yeah, it is. It's a pretty disappointing one, because... You know, there's a good game there somewhere, but this one, yeah, that's a trap. Let's move on to something a bit more hopeful. Now, we both went treasure for Augustus, or Rise of Augustus, as it is in America. This is Roman Bingo, where you're getting a set of objective cards, and you've got some workers, and the objective cards have got symbols on them, and... A player dips their hand in a bag, pulls out a symbol, and if that symbol matches a symbol on your objective card, you move your worker onto it. If you fill all the symbols in the card, you complete that objective, you get another objective, you get some powers, there's some bonus scoring cards, and when someone has done seven objectives, the game ends. Slightly more complicated, Roman, bingo, and I played a lot of this in the first couple of months after I bought it. I went into some kind of double figures on plays i played it with my family i played it with gamers i played it with all kinds of different people before i give my final thoughts though sean you also got a load of plays of this in i did indeed and it's for the reasons you just said that you did play with your family you did play with your friends you did play with gamers and it does it works on all of those levels i think it's not going to give you a lot long term. I know there's expansion out for it or coming out for it. So hopefully that changes it up a bit, gives it a bit more. But for me, a good, clean, fun game with a little bit of strategy involved. I really enjoyed it. Oh, strategy might be going a little bit too far. <laughs> a little bit of strategy, I said. <laughs> okay, I played it. I enjoyed it for two months. Got lots of play out of it. Then I traded it perfectly happy i was done with it there wasn't that much more to explore it was a fun game don't get me wrong people have got it out since and i've played it with them no problem at all but light enough that i thought do you know what i've got it all but it was definitely the number of players i got out of it and the amount of enjoyment people had playing it treasure yep going right along with that definite treasure for me i really enjoyed this game it was a fun game so moving on to uh, princes of the dragon throne now, this one has been a bit of a kick-starting disaster where they've had to revamp their whole campaign due to a, a flurry of upset customers. Now, this game was tested through all the big cons, all the big trade shows, got rave reviews. People were really excited about this game, like really excited, couldn't wait for it to come out, and... To be honest, when it did come out on Kickstarter, finally, the designers were all the way through saying, listen, we're, we're, we're testing this game because we want to make it perfect. Happy days. Do that as much as you want. If you come up with a wonderful game and you've tested it properly, do what you need to do within, within reason. But then they came out with a massively expensive game, despite promises against that. <laughs> They came out with uh, add-ons that you had to pay extra for that they promised were, would be in the game all along. So instead of having these Dragon Lord pieces and little the villagers pieces, you now had to pay extra for them. Otherwise, you got little cubes. And people were like, whoa, hang on, no. And also, on top of that, they fired a load of money into the postage and packing of this as well. So the game just wasn't funding. The game got to about 20% and it was sticking there and it wasn't going up. So they had to pull the whole thing and re-go again, basically with a much fairer system and a cheaper version. So people were got to get it delivered basically for a, a reasonable price. Now, this game is still definitely something I'm looking forward to. It's still something I really can't wait to play, but I'm really a bit disappointed by Clever Mojo, the way they handled the whole thing. So on to Ronan. What do you think? I really don't know what to think, to be honest, Sean. I have taken a step back and stayed well out of the way of this, what appears to be a maelstrom of lunacy going around this game. It's you know, wasn't it ready in 2009 or something crazy like that? Weren't we supposed to see it? I see it in the 2011 Essen list. All done. They started playtesting it more than five years ago, I think. It's crazy. How long is this game taking to come out? How 
hard can it be? I just don't understand. I don't understand why it's been so difficult. I don't understand why it's been so convoluted. This would have to be a game that healed the lame for me to back it at this stage. I, it's just such a mess around it. It just smells rotten to the core to me. They reckon it was supposed to be coming out in March was their latest update. Now they're talking about July. They're not telling anyone what's going on. I mean, it's backed by Game Salute, who are supposed to be getting rid of all this nonsense to do with Kickstarter games and bring a bit of professionalism to the whole situation. It's coming from Clever Mojo. It's not like they've never had a game out before, is it? I don't understand why this is such a mess, which is making me think, what is going on? Something must be wrong here. So, whoa, I am staying well away from Princess of the Dragon Throne. Well, I wish I, I was as sensible as you in, in terms of this, because I actually backed it the second time it came out. I threw my rattle out of the pram when I saw the prices involved the first time round, and I think I may have, may have actually told the designer exactly what I thought of, of the whole campaign on Board Game Geek. But the second time round, I thought, okay you know what, you've listened to the people, so I'm going to give you a chance. The fact that I'm still waiting for it irks me a little bit, but I'm still excited about the game. The company have let me down. As you said, Ronan, Game Salute haven't really done what they've set themselves up to do, and I'm st- I'm a little bit disappointed by the whole process, but the game still excites me. I think it looks like a very good game. So I'm going to stick with my treasure prediction for the game. Everything around it, is a massive, massive trap and can go away and leave me be. But the game, I'm sticking with the treasure. It's a huge, massive chest of gold that had one poison needle in the middle of it. When you grab that gold, you prick your finger and slowly, slowly, from within, it withers your hope and your happiness until you're left as a husk saying, Clever Mojo, where's my game? Give me my game! It's a trap, Sean. Run! Okay, on to sunnier climbs now. And we are talking now Spartacus, the Serpent and the Wolf, which Woo-hoo! is the ex- Ronan's very excited, Treasure. as you can tell. <laughs> which is the expansion for Spartacus, a game of blood and treachery. A game we both adore. It's one of our favourite games, I can quite confidently say that, for both of us. And the expansion didn't disappoint. It brought a few new elements, one of which was you could have a four-way battle in the arena. It brought some new cards into play. I think it balanced out the super player syndrome. And yeah, just it's an expansion that made a fun game a little bit more fun, as far as I can see. Ronan? A game... Like I've always said, it was just a framework for interaction. Throw two more evil people into the mix and you just get more evil, backstabbing hilarity. I've had such funny games of this. I've had so much fun with it. People's royal inner demons come to the foreplay in this game. People's faces when they realise they've been backstabbed. It's amazing. Our group is so wary of each other when we play this game now. I played Spartacus just this week again. It's as much fun as the first time I played it. The expansion was fantastic. I'm woohooing all the way. I really, really enjoy the game. I, the expansion just brought more to it. Bigger fights. Kind of more, more backstabbing, if you like. What a fantastic game. But I will say, I'm really wary of playing a six-player game with anything other than the short version because medium and especially long, long, no way. In fact, I don't like playing a long version even with four players, but even a medium six-player game is a really long experience. Everyone has to think so far ahead. The intrigue deck doesn't quite balance out at that point because all the guards get sucked out of it. So a short six-player game with the expansion will still take you a couple of hours and is fantastic. So definitely a treasure for me. And if I didn't like everything about it already, just the the look on Poria's face when he finally got to play the four-way fight off in the <laughs> arena. <laughs> that made it worthwhile. He's a precious little bunny. God bless him. Okay, we are getting on to the home stretch here, if anyone's still listening. The third last game we're going to talk about is 
Experium, the long-awaited game from the designer of Kalis, William Attia. This is a work placement game with a difference, which used a grid of cards, which players could place their workers around and in between, and then their workers could be activated either in attempt to buy the card, which would cost according to how many workers left around it, or to make money in taking back a worker and making money from how many workers are around a card. It had the award for 2013's most ridiculously pasted on theme that ever existed, ever. No idea what that theme's about. What is Spirium? What's that got to do with anything? I'm sure it was meant to be Cole, but Cole hasn't got a Y and an S in it, so Istari had to change it somehow. In terms of the game, the mechanism with the workers was kind of innovative, but it drove kind of a derivative victory point gathering game now i'm not saying it's a bad game at all i had fun with it but i think it flattered to deceive me a little bit i i thought on first blush first couple of plays wow this is something a little bit different i can really do some different stuff with this but actually after a few plays of it i found no i'm still doing the same stuff i'm just purchasing buildings and then i'm activating my workers to get resources and i'm finding ways to score points the good thing about it was it played pretty quickly players turns were quick it was really reasonably priced it came in a sensible size box and for the size of the package and for the cost of it it was a real good game and honestly i think it's worth seeking out if you've got any interest in seeing a slightly different take on worker placement and if you enjoy kind of optimizational euro games not fantastic for me but you know an okay decent game sean i kind of went into it with a negative feeling anyway because of our research during the uh, episode five it looks really bad to me i thought the art was terrible as you said the theme is completely tacked on it makes no sense i didn't like the take on worker placement it just didn't i didn't feel it at all so i've I've not really changed in my opinion of it i really really didn't get on with it yeah you went trap last time and i went treasure you sticking with trap i'm sticking with trap and I am going to say, do you know, I think for a lot of people it will be a treasure. But for me, it was a, a little bit of a trap. I wasn't that taken with it. But I think that's a personal thing. In terms of the game itself, it's a perfectly fine game. And certainly if you get a chance, give it a try. It may just click for you. It's clicked with lots of people that I know. Our penultimate game is the second Stefan Fell game. And this one is Amerigo. Now, this game is, I guess, kind of based on exploration around a bunch of islands in which you sail around. And guess what? It's a Stefan Fell game. There are 802 different things you can do, all of which are going to score you points. Do I sound a little bit jaded about Stefan Fell games? I might just, because do you know what? I think each time I play one of his games that just gives me a few different ways of scoring victory points and it feels a bit soulless and themeless, I'm moving further and further away from being a fan of his. I love some of his earlier games, but in terms of this, Bruges, which I found I gave a couple of plays but didn't really grab me, I, I, he's just drifting away from me. I'm like, move away from the Rich Point salad. Move away from that salad bar. Come back to us. Give us something a little bit tighter. He's had such great games in the past. I really wanted to see him go back. Games like Luna, I love. This, mm. Sean, tell me how beautiful you think Amerigo is. <laughs> I'm going to start with that cube tower, dice tower, whatever you want to call it. That just felt like a gimmick to me. Did did they really need that? Probably not. But that was by far the most beautiful thing about this game. What a bad looking game. Oh my gosh. I think this was only usurped by Canalis in terms of the worst looking game in Essen for me. It was terrible looking. I just... It was just a sea of blue and green and this tower at the end. It just didn't look good at all. As Ronan said, too much going on. Too much of the victory point salad going on. And yeah, I really liked Bruce. So I can't say that that Feld has dropped these standards for me. But this one didn't hit the mark at all. It's a game I think I have the feeling that Feld fans like and other people really don't. It doesn't appear to be selling that well. It was really expensive when it came out. I'm seeing it in bargain bins. I don't know whether it's hit America yet or not. If it does, maybe it'll get a boost, but it doesn't seem to have that many owners. It's got quite a high average rating, though, so it definitely has a fan base out there, but I just... It feels just another 
slightly soulless release for me. Sorry, Stefan. I really hope you go back to making really great games for me. So, I went treasure last time. I'm going to trap. Sean, you were trap last time? And I'm sticking at trap. You're so negative. <laughs> I tell you what, why don't you finish us off? <laughs> I'd like to go out on a high. Maybe we will. Possibly. Let's talk about it and see. Last up is uh, the second in the trilogy of Discworld games from Treefrog Games and Martin Wallace. And it's The Witches. So the first of the trilogy was Ankh-Morpork, Pork, which Ronan had his reservations about, but I really, really enjoyed. And it's, it's actually a game that's in my collection and remains in my collection. So I had, I had quite high hopes for The Witches and purchased the Collector's Edition because my wife's a big Terry Pratchett fan uh, at Essen. Without, without hesitation, because of Ankh-Morpork Pork and the way it looked, it looks lovely. There's a massive map with all the famous locations from from the Witches series of the Terry Pratchett books. It looks great, so I was really excited to start playing it. And then I realised it's not a game. It's just a series of cards you draw and or a series of random events that you may or may not be able to guard against. It's not a game. It's no fun. And probably one of the worst games I've played so far this year. Oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I got as far as reading the rule book to the witches. And then Sean suggested we play it. And I left a Tom and Jerry-esque Ronan shape in his front door as I went steaming out and down the uh, road. Because no way, no how are you getting me near that game, my friend. This is so bad. Like My wife, Natalie, who was on our Christmas episode, our New Year's episode, she's a massive, massive Terry Pratchett fan. And very, very forgiving of anything to do with Terry Pratchett. Loved Ankh-Morpork Pork was really excited about this. We played it once and she said, could you trade that for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> the most damning indictment you've ever given the games when you turn around and said, even Natalie didn't like it. There you go. That's pretty bad. That is, that is pretty bad. It doesn't get a lot worse than that. This, it, it wasn't a game. It just isn't a game. You can, if you, if you have the a bad run of luck, you can lose this game without being able to do anything about it. Not a thing can you do about it if you get a bad run of luck. I think you lost when you bought it, my friend. <laughs> it does look very pretty, though. It is a lovely, lovely production, but not a very good game. Okay, so there's something I want to bring up because I'm aware that we have been pretty negative towards Martin Wallace and his games over the one year the game pit has been going. I really like Martin Wallace as a designer. Some of his games are huge hits, some of them maybe not so much. I know that he's always trying to push the envelope and try different things. He's not happy to sit in a comfort zone and just design the same game again and again. So I, I, I think we need to address the fact that we do actually like Martin Wallace and his games. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I, I, I completely concur. As I said, I really enjoyed Ankh-Morpork. Pork. I have London in my collection. Really enjoyed Roombound. I'm actually quite a, a Martin Wallace fanboy. So uh, it just it's just happened the last few games that we've talked about on the game pit we haven't been too complimentary about. In fact, we talked about a study in Emerald before. I we're kind of diverging here, but bear with us, people. I've played it a few times now. I have no idea if it's any good or not, but I do know that it's definitely an interesting gaming experience and I'm happy to play it again. So uh, <laughs> I think he's really achieved something interesting in game design with that game and it's really worth experiencing because it's just a bit mental in a kind of a good way and kind of a bit of a woo way. And just to say for Wallace fans, we also talked about how perhaps some of his pre-orders and kickstarters hadn't gone as well as they should have done i've signed up for the subscription for the three martin wallace games that are coming out this year we're going to get them we're going to play them all and we're going to do a martin wallace special towards the end of the year and i have high hopes that they're all going to be really good games and we're going to have a full-on positive martin wallace episode now this is not to be an apologist to anyone out there it's because i feel like and sean feels like we haven't represented our feelings on martin wallace's designer 
correctly in that we've been talking about certain negative experiences we've had. Yeah, absolutely, as Ronan said. So let's just get on to our final uh, decisions on uh, Treasure and Trap. Ronan, you were a firm trap on this one. I'm going to guess that you've changed your mind and you actually love it as a treasure. Oh, Sean, you need to step away from the drinks cabinet, don't you? <laughs> if this wasn't even a trap, this was a huge hulking tower which had danger flashing in red letters on it. Stay away, stay clear. Yeah, it's kind of the epitome of a trap. It looks so pretty, you're drawn in by it, then, then it closes shut on your leg and you can't get away with it. I'm going to try and get away and trade it, so hopefully there's somebody out there will take it off me. Wait, what, what date am I not allowed to release this before? okay so i'm definitely going trap on this one so it's a double trap i'm afraid for the witches and that concludes our review so thanks a lot for listening to us there i don't know if it's gonna be any interest to anyone if anyone out there's still listening but we thought we wanted to go back and just recap some of our thoughts and see how the big games we had hoped for last year how they've come through it's amazing to see how some of our favorite games weren't even on the radar 12 months ago yeah so hopefully people appreciate that we have gone back and we have looked at our initial thoughts on the games and and if this proves successful we'll do this for every treasure hunt episode and as always you can catch us on 2d6.org along with the whole host of gaming goodness we are very proud members of the dice tower network catch us there with the very best in gaming podcasts if you wish to email us and ask us a question or just generally start a chat, we are at thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at GamePitPodcast. And we have a Board Game Geek Guild, which you are more than welcome to come along and open a few discussions there. Music by Aaron. <laughs>